It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. And I hate to break a promise, but I promised you I'd be back in Chicago to do this morning's show rather than this road show I've had for the past several Sunday mornings. But I, um, I broke that promise. I'm in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, where I'm at the Grand National Hunt for the Rough Grouse Society. And it reminds me of the wonderful smell of rotting leaves. And for those of you who know what I'm talking about, it's part of the smell of fall when you go into the bogs and you can smell that aroma, which is, well, it's a, uh, you might just, by the way, you might just hear a car go by in a minute or two because I'm sitting in a parking lot here in the dark of the Timberlakes Lodge at the event center in, uh, in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, getting ready to go into the grouse woods for the third day. And, but coming back to the smell of rotting wood, it's something those of us who grew up in the upper Midwest, when you go into the forest in the fall, it's just one of those aromas that, that's there. It's not that way in the spring. It's a different because you've got all kinds of buds coming up and the, the air is fresh. But then in the fall, when everything is, is falling from the leaves, the leaves are falling, it's dying, that smell of the, just the smell of the bog. And in far north Minnesota, pretty close. Well, we're actually near Highway 1. We're pretty close to the Ontario line. It's just it is that aroma that tells you, you're in the north woods. And I can tell you this year, while they say the grouse are plentiful, they might be, but they always seem to fly behind a tree, they get behind a bush, there's a thicket you can't you can't see them. They get up and this and you hear the you hear the wings of a grouse getting up and if you see it for a quarter of a second, well that's pretty good this year. They um they're very abundant. They had a great nesting year, but grouse hunting being grouse hunting means you hear a lot of grouse you see very few, and you shoot even fewer. So I, I think at the Grand National, which has been going on for over 40 years, it's the hallmark event of the Rough Grouse Society. Uh, individuals from around the country come to Grand Rapids, Minnesota, to celebrate life in the North Woods and to, and to also celebrate one of the great, two of the great game birds in all of North America, those being the uh, Rough Grouse as well as the uh, American Woodcock. And both of those bird species are, have been in, in, particularly the woodcock, have been in general decline for a long time. Nobody really understands why. I think we do understand why rough grouse are in, have been having periods of, of, of population declines, and that's because of the way we manage our forests. So many of our forests are not being managed for sustainability. They're not being they're not being managed for proper timber harvest. And the Rough Grouse Society has been the leading entity for a long time in advocating for management of our forests. Without management of our forests, we're going to have species extinction. We're going to have aging forests. And the grouse and the woodcock are, are really two of those canaries in the, if you will, in the coal mine. As their populations decline. That is telling you the health of the forest has declined. And one of the things that I think is, is going to be happening in the, in the coming years, which is vitally important, is a recognition that we have to manage our forests. They have to be managed in a sustainable way, both for timber harvest 
and for wildlife, and they're very compatible. So we've come through this period, as I've talked about on the air before, where we just let everything grow in our forests. And those people living, even in Chicago, we saw it this summer, but the, the smoke that permeated from the forests in the American West and the Canadian West that worked its way east and then the terrible fires in the forests north of Toronto, that's by and large the result of decades and decades of not having proper forest management, not working for sustainable forests because we come from this perspective that every tree you cut is a terrible thing when quite to the quite the opposite is true as we talked about this summer as we were choking on smoke. We have to cut trees. If we don't cut trees or manage our forests, not only are we going to have horrific forest fires, but we're going to have a great loss of wildlife. And we're also going to have a great loss of industry because paper products are good products or a lot better than plastic products. So here in Grand Rapids, hard against the Canadian border, this is the, this is the absolute heart of grouse country in North America, or at least certainly in the upper Midwest. There's this gathering of, of not only experts in forest management, experts in grouse management, but also gathering of experts who think they're grouse hunters. And grouse win every single time. There's no question about it. When you go into the grouse woods, the grouse are going to beat you every time. And sooner or later, alder branch is going to smack you in the side of the face when it's about 38 degrees. And it's going to hit you hard and it's going to hurt. And you're going to ask yourself, why do I like to do this? And then you, when you hear that grouse rush, when you hear that, that thunderous takeoff of a grouse behind a bush that you can't see, you're reminded, this is why I like to do it, because this is some of the hardest hunting there is. Some people shoot grouse in the roads with 22s. That's not how you hunt grouse. That's grouse shooting. This is grouse hunting. You get out in the woods, and you're with the dogs, and you spend all day in alder thickets and in aspens, and sometime you're in poplar and you're in pines. And every time a grouse gets up, there's a tree between you and it, or so it seems. So what I'd like to do when I come back from the break, I promised I would talk about bees and this notion that has been written about, that, which is quite to the contrary of everything we read and rehear, is that we may actually have too many honeybees. So when I come back from a break in just a moment, I'm going to talk about honeybees. I promised you for two weeks I would do this. I didn't forget. So when I come back, I'll talk about it. In the meantime, I simply want to leave you with this thought before the break. I talk about hunting chuckers in the mountains of the American West. There, is a, there are few equals to the feeling of being in the North Woods in October when the leaves are turning and they're falling. And, and, and that pungent smell, of, as only the North Woods can provide for those of us who love the call of walking in the woods. And it's not even about chasing grouse. It's about the experience of being in these incredibly beautiful forests, whether it be northern Wisconsin, whether it be Minnesota, whether it be Michigan, northern Illinois. We don't we don't have quite have these kind of forests, but it is it is the feeling of being in the woods in the fall. That is one of the reasons why October simply needs to have more than 31 days in it. This is Charlie Potter in the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America. Be back in just a moment. And when I am talk about bees, but in the meantime, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. Hiking, camping, and hunting, it's all an adventure in the great outdoors, but nature can be tough. You need to be ready for anything and everything. Chevy Silverado is built to handle the toughest conditions and get you everywhere you want to go worry-free. 
Silverado's designed to handle the big jobs. It's built for the great outdoors. With over 13,000 pounds of towing capacity and trailering sway control, Silverado can haul the biggest loads on the roughest roads and keep you cool as a Sunday drive. With eight available cameras and up to 14 different views, it can spot trouble before it gets to you. That's peace of mind. And when you're ready for the backcountry, Chevy Silverado 1500 ZR2 owns the off-road. You name it, we run over it. No wonder it's Motor Trend's 2023 four-wheeler pickup truck of the year. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and check out a Chevy Silverado. It's freedom to explore the great outdoors. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. I hope this isn't overrated, but it's going to surprise you. There is now a widespread belief from not only those in the, in the honeybee industry, but leading conservationists, that the craze for honeybees now presents a genuine ecological challenge around the world. And in fact, we actually may have too many honeybees. I hate to say it to all individuals, and I know many who are growing bees and think they're doing wonderful things for the world, beekeepers all over the, the, all over the Chicagoland area. But the belief now is if you overcrowd any space with honeybees, there's competition for natural resources, which makes sense. And since bees have the largest numbers, they push out other pollinators which actually harms biodiversity. So it is possible that in these areas where we have established all these honeybees, which are actually an agricultural crop, that we have too many, and it is killing the biodiversity of other pollinators. And in the story that's that's circulating around the world, it's a little bit like Johnny Appleseed's announcing, enough with the apples, we have too many. It's a completely contrary message to everything we are hearing in our quest to have pollinators. And it's not just because honeybees play a crucial role in the food chain. They pollinate about a third of the food consumed by Americans, according to the Food and Drug Administration. But there's also a deeply rooted belief that the global population of honeybees has been running dangerously low for more than two decades. However, it's possible that there are actually more honeybees now in the world than there ever have been at recorded history. So the, the, the desire to have pollinators and, and solve the bee collapse, the honeybee collapse, what we saw two decades ago, spurred an incredible boom in beekeeping, not only here in America, but around the world. And it's also spurned a boom, and I'm quoting directly from the article here, that appeared in the New York Times, from corporations eager to demonstrate their green efforts to make the world a better place. So we suddenly have too many beehives is is basically the way to describe this. Um, And this is being described by university professors and conservation experts now around the world. And we had two decades ago, we had this thing which was dubbed disappearing disappearing bee disease because we had colony collapses. And in the fall of 2006, um, it really came into being when a, when a highly reputed beekeeper went and checked on his 400 hives and found out that almost all of the worker bees had disappeared. And around the globe, people were talking about the collapse of bees and what would happen. There'd be no pollinators. Well, it turned out that this was a, uh, it was actually colony 
collapse disorder, as they now call it. The cause remains unclear, but experts believe that pesticides and invasive parasites and a, and a reduction in, in forageable habitat were really what caused this. So the alarm was sounded, save the bees, and it became the rallying cry um, from around the world, as the New York Times reports. So for the first time, lots of people started to talk about pollinators and started to organize and have bee colonies. The problem was we were too successful. All we heard was that bees are declining. And across America and around the world, people started getting beehives. Well, the, the honeybees are, are a commercially managed animal. So think about it now as an agricultural production, just like we do with, with pigs and hogs and, and livestock. And large beekeeping operations are very good at replacing the natural colonies that died off. And in the United States now, there are about a million beehives that are trucked every year to places that have big pollinator needs, California being one of them, any, the Pacific Northwest. So about a million bunny beehives are taken to pollinate the almonds and other crops, particularly in California. So as we have improved the techniques for raising honeybees, we have dramatically increased the population of honeybees. And this now has led to where we have honeybees out-competing other pollinators, and we're ending up with a monoculture of bees. So it's been a great, as, as the New York Times talks about it and others are talking about it, it's been a great agricultural success story. We now have plenty of pollinators, but it's been a terrible story for conservation because the honeybees are wiping out all of their competitors because there are too many of them and we're ending up as i said a moment ago with a monoculture of pollinating bees so we have more honeybees on the planet now than we've ever had in human history according to reports that are being issued and and i suppose that they would know um but certainly we have more honeybees than we've had in in a long long time and um the food and uh, Drug excuse me, the Department of Agriculture in the United States says that um, the beehives in the last decade alone, commercially grown beehives in the United States, have have increased by almost 30 percent in just the last decade. And there's something like a um, hundred million beehives around the world that are being grown commercially. So um, we still have this issue of of a bee of bee colony collapse, but in the commercial world, in the commercial ag world, we've been able to um, overcome it. We've learned how to do this. So, wild bees of many other wild bee species are declining, and the reason is is because there are too many honeybees. So, we'll have to see what happens. But the notion is that. The notion that we need to have more and more honeybees is actually not biologically correct anymore. And we now need to have fewer honeybees. We need to have fewer beekeepers. And this goes against everything we've been talking about for the last 25 years. So it's likely that if we don't do something about this, many of the other bee species are going to be wiped out. And we're going to end up actually with fewer pollinators of different types. We're going to have plenty of pollinators that are honeybees, but we are not going to have plenty of other kinds of bees. 
So that is the surprise story, which I meant to tell you last week, but I ran out of time. So um, the reality is we're going to have to change our approach. There are areas of the of the country and the world, and in America particularly, where there aren't any honeybees, and we can have more beehives. But the idea that we need continent-wide more honeybees, apparently that's not true. So more to come, I'm sure, uh, but don't believe anymore that the honeybees are in free fall and they're in danger of disappearing. Actually, as the, as many scientists are now saying, we have more honeybees than we've ever had. So when I'm back next week, I will talk, I actually hope that I'll be back in Chicago instead of doing this from on the road. But I will talk a little bit about what's going on with discussions, which, which I tend to do in the fall as we get into the farm bill season, the farm bill. But also there is quite a bit taking place, as I mentioned last week in the discussion of how departments of natural resources around the country are remaining relevant in this very quickly sea change we're having of, of turnover in many of the agencies around the country that are managed for uh, natural resources as we are having a, a really a very significant decline, uh, retirement en masse, uh, which has been predicted for a while, but it's actually upon us and how we're going to be able to fill these positions of senior management with individuals who are steeped in the, in the tradition of the outdoors and have biological degrees, how we're going to replace those with a very small candidate pool. I hope you have a great week in the great outdoors. So from the really, really, truly, from the far north woods of northern Minnesota, I hope I find a grouse this morning. So far, they have eluded me. And I will certainly, when I get back to Illinois, long remember that wonderful, wonderful smell of the rotting bog, which says that all is right with the world for woodcock and grouse. From the north woods of northern Minnesota, this is Charlie Potter in the Great Outdoors Show. Hope you have a great week on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America.